Entirely in my gift to do so because I arranged the preaching rotor, but it's not very often that I give space to just share something that's on my heart, um, and uh, I should do it more often. Uh, but the problem with preaching from your heart is that you leave going, ah, I shouldn't have said that, or I should have said this. And I, could, I imagine that I could probably, after today, wish that I'd penciled in next week as well so that I could redress some imbalance that I share today with you next week. So I want to do two things today. Firstly, I do want to uh, explain why the church is my greatest passion uh, in the hope that I redress any imbalance that may have been present in what I presented last week. But also, I want to uh, speak, uh, and this is what I want to spend the most time doing, I want to speak to a particular part of what we do when we come together, and that is what we do when we worship corporately. Uh, And uh, if you read the emails that go out every week, that won't surprise you because at some point in August I said that I was going to talk to this a bit. Last week I said that my greatest passion is the church. And it is. My greatest passion is the church. I said that for me that statement lands here with you lot. That for the most part it's you lot who are one anothering me and for the most part I'm one anothering you lot and not many other people who I could be one anothering. I've got loads of friends at my previous church who I love and they love me and we could one another, but they're in the borough of Merton building Everyday Church and I'm in the borough of Croydon building Jubilee and I'm not God, so I can't do everything. So I give myself to the place and the people where God has planted me. And I am passionate about the worldwide church. I really am. I don't just care about us. I am passionate about the worldwide body of Christ. But here's the thing that wasn't stated last week that I need to state really clearly to you. I'm passionate about the church because I'm passionate about the church's mission. You and me only plant and water, and we look to God and trust Him that He will bring growth. But I'm passionate about the church because I believe that when we are healthy, mature, united, walking faithfully with Jesus, that we will sow and we will water better. I've come to believe over the last 20 years, and forgive me if this sounds as though I've uh, boxed myself in, I don't believe I have. But I've seen in the last 20 years that my efforts to bear fruit bear more fruit in the church than they do evangelistically. I've seen people present the gospel clumsily. Like, that, was, that was not a good gospel presentation. Your life is a mess. And yet, when they've called people to follow Jesus, they have. And I've found that where I've... Oh man, that was a great gospel presentation. I explained that so clearly to them. They, they, surely they have no questions left, and they just don't respond. And there's part of, of that that is a gift of God on us, isn't it? There's a grace on us. I'm passionate about the church because I've seen, actually, I love building up the church, and I see that where I do, I bear more fruit, uh, which I think is just, for me, an encouragement that I'm doing what God wants me to do. That doesn't mean that I'm not passionate about sharing the gospel. I do. When I was a teacher, there wasn't a colleague who didn't know that I, wasn't a, that I was a Christian. 
There wasn't a colleague who didn't expect that if there was something going on in their life or if they were ill, that I wouldn't offer to pray for them. It was normal. And, you know, I say that with, you know, with God as my witness, that was normal. I'm passionate about the church. I'm passionate about people coming to find God. I don't want us to be inward looking. I said last week as well that my goal for us isn't growth, but health. And, you know, that wasn't entirely true. That wasn't entirely true. I do want us to grow. I absolutely do want us to grow. Healthy things grow. What I don't want, I don't want the growth that we experience to be just other Christians joining us. I know that God does that. I know that sovereignly he moves people around from one place to another as, as he sees fit. I know that. I accept that. But I don't want that to be what we go for. I don't want our website to be, you know, serving the disgruntled of the church in Croydon, thinking they'll find something better here than they're finding where they are. That's not true. It's not going to happen. They're going to be as unhappy here as they are there. They don't know what they're in for. Yeah, absolutely. It's true though, isn't it? It's true. So often, or more often than I think we care to admit, the best thing for us when things are hard is to persevere and to trust God. So often that is the best thing for us. When things aren't going exactly as we like, that is where growth in God is found. Not in leaving and looking for greener pastures elsewhere, it's found in trust and perseverance. So I do want us to grow, but I want us to grow because collectively and individually we remember the call of God on us to make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. That's what I want us to be about. That's what life groups are about. That's what our Sundays are about. That is what we should be about I don't want us to be about a vision or a program. I want us to be about sharing the gospel, calling people to faith and repentance and relationship with Jesus. There's not a single person... Well, no. Did anyone here come to know Jesus because of a dream by themselves? No. So I'd imagine that pretty much then every single one of us here came to know Jesus because someone told us about him. Yeah. No? So, oh, so yeah, so you're the, the exception. The exception. As I say, it's not common. It is, well, it, it is less common. It is less common. You know, Romans 10, I think it is, you know, how can they hear unless someone tells them? How can they tell them unless they've been sent? You know, that is the, the common way that we come to faith. People tell us. My, Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yes. Yeah. Brilliant. Maybe it would be great to hear your testimony one day then. <laughs> we know about Jesus because someone told us. I, I'm the pastor of this church, and until three weeks ago, I couldn't remember the last time I shared the gospel with someone. Three weeks ago, I shared the gospel with five locals in the Forestdale Forum. I wouldn't have done it 
if it wasn't for Joseph being Joseph. Joseph walks me into the forum, sees five locals in front of him who he knows because they have cafe church there on a Sunday, and goes, this is Neil, he's a pastor, ask him whatever you want, and then leaves me there. When I joined the gym two and a half months ago, week one, I didn't look at anyone, I didn't say hello to anyone. Week two, I nodded at a few people. If they nodded back at me, week three, I said hello. Week four, hello. Week five, hello. (laughs) I mean, there does need to be an urgency to our sharing the gospel, but also... I think I'm, I'm gifted for slow burn. I'm gifted for slow burn. Many of us use slow burn as a get-out of ever actually sharing the gospel. I'm a slow burn. I took, I, I took my girls uh, to the gym with me in the summer holidays, and as I'm walking around the gym with two of my children, everyone who I've said hello to wants to talk to me, because, oh, isn't this nice that you're here with your kids? So now, two and a half months in, I'm actually building relationships with people. Soon, because well, in fact, because when you're in the gym, you hurt yourself. There was someone uh, the other week who was complaining about an injury. I really wanted to pray for them. Chickened out because they were a woman by themselves. I thought that was appropriate, but these things are going to happen. Anyway, I want to move on. I want to focus on today's sermon. Please turn with me to chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. So, 1 Corinthians. Chapter 12. And as I say, oh no, before I read this, on your chairs are leaflets about Croydon Alive. Croydon Alive is an evangelistic initiative that is growing within Croydon, and I'm really excited for us to get behind it. And so on Tuesday, the 20th of September at 7 30 pm, we're going to be here praying for salvation in Croydon. Praying for salvation in Croydon. Now, that we'll be praying for a wonderful, fresh move of the Holy Spirit in Croydon. It will also be praying for us that we would be filled with boldness to be his witnesses so that we will actually, rather than week one, hello, 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 bang, have you heard? (laughs) Do you know? (laughs) That's what we're going to be praying for. So please come along. Would you love to see salvation in Croydon? Would you love to see this church double in size because people come to faith, not because we're the least offensive church in Croydon? All right, good. Now, I have to say, before I start, um, I'm not known for my jokes, but I'm also afflicted with an inability to be winsome. And I told you last week that I don't like challenging you, and today I'm going to. Okay? So, please forgive any direct speech that could be delivered more gently. It isn't my intention to offend anyone, only to call us to more. So this is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read all of it. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one says Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each 
is given the manifestation for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one, so it is with Christ. For in the Spirit we were all baptised into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body either. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is... God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. As he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow the greater honour. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honour to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another." If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, Do all interpret? The answer to that is obviously no. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. And we preached on 1 Corinthians 13 last year. In August, I referred to a tension that is present among us. I oversimplistically couched this tension as Should we end times of sung worship in order to move into a sermon or to end the service nearer to the expected end time of the service? Yeah, that's overly simplistic, isn't it? There's much more to it than that, but that essentially is, you all know what I mean. I have spoken with a number of people about this. People have spoken to me, can't we just keep going? The spirit was moving, you know, you know and, and I mean, fewer people, me, 
my wife, <laughs> anyone else who's like us, but these are always going to be the quieter ones in this scenario, we're supposed to finish at 12. We're supposed to start at half 10. Why can't we, why can't we do these things? You know, and anyway, I have always, as I say, either read or talked to them about 1 Corinthians 14, lays out a biblical template for what worship should look like when we come together. It is the, it's the fullest description of what worship should look like in the church, in the Bible. We should take 1 Corinthians 14 very seriously. And I want to encourage you, I want to urge you to read it. And I want to ask you, will you submit to the authority of Scripture in this, which is another way of saying, will you submit to the Lordship of Christ in your life in this? That doesn't mean we're going to be, stick to it like a rigid rule, but are we going to let Scripture speak to us and lead us? That's the first of the challenging things that I'm going to say. If I could speak to our corporate worship very quickly before I get into this passage, some of us like order. That's good. God's a God of order. We need to be, because I am one of those people, we need to be willing to embrace spontaneity. We need to let ourselves be pulled in that direction. Some of us love spontaneity. That's good. We need that. God's a creative God, isn't he? But we need to be, allow ourselves to be pulled towards order as well. Otherwise, it is chaos. If we were to allow what we've done in the last few weeks to become the norm... Well, we wouldn't start to 11 and we wouldn't finish till 1. And if we allowed that to become the norm, well, we wouldn't start to 11.30, we wouldn't finish until 2. You know, we can't have that. I'm sure you appreciate that. Right. I need to say this. Whatever direction you come at questions like this from, if you won't let the Bible, the Word of God, speak to you, then you are making a religion of your own choosing and you will find that actually when you get what you want, it isn't really what you wanted. And you will find that you're going, oh, God, where are you? And he's like, he's like I'm back here. <laughs> you wanted to go there, I didn't. I'm back here. <laughs> How we build matters. How we build matters. We see that throughout Scripture, don't we? The ark was built just so. The tabernacle was built just so. The temple was built just so. And although we are a living temple, how we build matters. Chapters 12, 13 and 14 are a discussion around spiritual gifts. I, I love this. I'm encouraged that I'm having to say these things to you and that we're having this conversation among us. Because Paul gives three chapters to this discussion in his letter to the church in Corinth. This is worth spending time on. In 1 Corinthians, Paul's talked about incest. He's talked about lawsuits among believers. He's talked about the abuse of communion. He didn't spend three chapters on any of them. He spends three chapters on this. Guys, you're asking this question. Now He starts chapter 12, now concerning spiritual gifts. He's responding to their question. 
Just like we're having this conversation among ourselves, the Corinthians were having this discussion among themselves, and Paul says to you, now concerning this, this thing that you're talking about, let me tell you, and he launches into a three-chapter discussion about worship in the church and about spiritual gifts. I'm encouraged that we're having this discussion as well. We're wrestling with important things. That's good. I hope you're encouraged by that. We're wrestling with important things. We're not wrestling over how we should lay out the chairs or what colour we should paint the walls. We're wrestling over what should we do when we come together and we worship. It's important. Paul gives three chapters to it. And chapters 12, 13 and 14 are like, they're like a sandwich. Chapters 12 and chapters 14 are really dense descriptions of what worship should look like, discussions around spiritual gifts. And then in the middle, in chapter 13, you've got the the how. How should we actually do this then? So this is spiritual gifts. This is what worship should look like. How should we do it? Oh, it's with love. Oh, we, you know forgiving one another, bearing with one another, not counting records of wrongs, delighting in the truth. It's about love. If you can speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, you're nothing. It doesn't matter if there isn't love present. And chapter 12 is the same for us. Begins and ends with a, a description of spiritual gifts. And then in the middle, there is, there's a picture of the church as the body of Christ. It's telling us how to do it. How should we do it? And I wanted to, in addressing this tension, this discussion that is among us, to, to go here rather than to go to chapter 14 and to, to go, right, so free should prophesy and then the rest should weigh. Um, we're a body. We've got to remember that. How we do it is most important. The ends don't justify the means. And I want to say two things about spiritual gifts before I move on to look at Paul's picture of the body. Firstly, there are loads. The two, the two lists of spiritual gifts in chapter 12 are both different, which makes us think that they're not exhaustive, they're like representative of the fact that actually there are so many spiritual gifts, so many. I can't remember how many it is, but someone once told me that, um, you know, that in the Bible there are X number of things that are said to be gifts of the Spirit, you know, workers of metal of many kinds and all the skills that it took to build the temple. There are so many spiritual gifts, all of them equally important. How badly I long for either growth in myself or the raising up of someone in the congregation for gifts of administration. (laughs) No, administration is much more needed than metalwork. Trust me. Right. (laughs) Now, secondly, secondly, it's God who gives the gifts as he decides. Any gifts you have, they're not yours. Well, I mean, they are. They've been given to you. They're a gift. But you didn't you didn't figure this out. It's not something that you can be really proud about. It was a gift. And not only is it a gift, but it's, it's just one gift. There are many gifts needed. So we must all hold the gifts that God gives us with humility and with sensitivity. So, on to Paul's, uh, Paul's advice to the church in Corinth. There seem to be two things going on in Corinth when it comes to this. 
Firstly, some people are disqualifying themselves. Some people are saying, man, I'm, you know, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. They feel inferior. Because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. Because, you know, they feel inferior. That's one of the things that's going on. Secondly, people are feeling superior. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. The eye needs the hand as much as the hand needs the eye. It's important that we know the error of both of those statements. And you may not like me asking this question, but I believe it's a question that's worth asking. Which of those two errors are you most prone to making? Are you more prone to feeling inferior and as though your gift isn't needed in the body, or are you more prone to feeling superior and as though your gift is more important than someone else's? We're we're people, just like the church in Corinth. We mustn't be under any illusion that the temptations that befell them don't befall us. They do. So are you the wallflower that doesn't feel needed, or are you the person who lacks sensitivity and always thinks they're right? (laughs) At different times, in different ways, absolutely. Whichever area you're most prone to making, you must know the truth. God arranged the members in the body, each one as he chose. Each one as he chose. You are so important no matter whether you feel your gift is prominent or a hidden one, you are so important. You hear the humanness of the church in Corinth through Paul's response to them, don't you? There's a danger that if we don't listen that we make the same mistakes as well. And it can be hurtful. We can be so zealous for God that we forget the how. We forget that the how is important. That we, we, we just want to see this happen... This has to happen, and we, we think that the ends justify the means, and they don't. They don't. The chapter ends with Paul telling them that he's going to show them a still more excellent way, and we did preach through that last year. We're a body made of many members, but we are one body. Together, I spoke, I spoke about this last week, didn't I? We declare the manifold wisdom of God. How many of us are here today, every one of us, with thoughts about what the church's priorities should be, what steps we should take in order to achieve them? Will we look down on others if they don't share our opinions? Will we imagine that this isn't the body for us if we don't see actions matching words? These responses sound justifiable. They're not. They're worldly responses. We have been made citizens of an upside-down kingdom. Values are not the same as the earth's. We say to Jesus, how many times must I forgive my brother? As many as seven? And he says, I tell you, not seven, but 77. We're the go the extra mile, turn the other cheek people. We follow the man who was made in the very nature God but didn't count equality with God as something to be grasped but emptied himself and became nothing. 
who came not to be served, but to serve. We love the upside-down triangle, don't we, at Jubilee? We love it. Do you know, we don't practice it very often. Do you know, I I don't say this boastfully. I am one of the most honoured people in this congregation, which is lovely. I love that. What about those who seem weaker? What about those who don't seem like they have much to give to us? Forgive me, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to share something with you that I hadn't planned to share and I'm going to ramble a bit, but I've been conflicted this week because this week for me has been a week of two deaths. On Monday, Chris Cabber, a 24-year-old architecture student with a child on the way, was shot dead by the police, having been pulled over. And I... Um, I noted it, and I wondered, I wonder if this will capture our imagination the way that George Floyd did, and I did nothing about it. And when I heard that a 96-year-old woman, albeit the Queen, and albeit she's done some wonderful things, I felt conflicted. Why do I care more about this than I do about that? We've got to learn to love one another. We've got to learn to think the best of one another. Over the years, I've spoken to people who have unashamedly told me that they withhold their offerings because they're unhappy with the way things are. I've spoken to people who seriously, and I I do mean seriously, seriously question whether brothers and sisters are actually brothers and sisters. And I don't mean in the sense that George shared this with us when he spoke about the mother in the church asking, George, are you saved? I mean the kind of looking around the room and going, they say they're Christians, but I'm not sure. How dare we? Paul makes it quite simple for us at the start of this chapter. If anyone says that Jesus is Lord, they're filled with the Spirit. If we come together and profess to love Jesus, we're filled with the Spirit. Paul's picture should challenge us here. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And on those parts that we think less honourable, we bestow greater honour. And our presentable parts are treated with greater modesty. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honour to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members have the same care for one another. Do you know, I believe that sometimes we don't do that. I believe that occasionally we engage in holy gossip. We, 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 we wouldn't ever say it's gossip, but it is. We engage in holy gossip with one another. Often we treat those members we feel less honourable, uh, we don't treat them, sorry, with more honour. Often perhaps not often, sometimes, we make them feel unwelcomed and judged. Sometimes we don't treat our unpresentable parts with greater modesty. Sometimes we make them feel the discomfort that they make us feel. I said last week that I believe there are ways where the church at large, but also us, 
have strayed away from the teachings of Jesus. Not deliberately, but I believe that we have. These are intuitions that I have. Sometimes I'll have conversation or I'll see something and it just, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel the way it's supposed to be. And I can't put my finger on it because it's just so common that I, I, I'm really longing for us. And I think, you know, in a week where we've got a new prime minister and a new, uh, a new regent on the throne, God, let there be change in your church as well. Let this be a new season. Those prayers that we've prayed for the king, double portion, let him be like his mother. Let him be as faithful in declaring who you are as his mother was. God, let us do that too. Let there not be a pastor who can't remember the last time they shared the gospel with someone. I'm not in great despair about this. There's, there's hope. There really is hope. The, the Holy Spirit is at work in all of us. There is great hope for us. But I think that we have become comfortable. I think we've embraced worldly comfort and I think it's made us slack in being ruthless with our lives and with our faith. Not that that is like a beating yourself thing. This is, God, your way is best. God, I want to walk in holiness. I want to see you. I want to I offer myself, God. You know, here I am, send me. I'm a person of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips, but here I am, send me. One of my jobs is to keep calling us to following Jesus, to looking to Jesus. That is one of my jobs. One of my main priorities. There are apostles and prophets and all sorts who play a part in calling us to that. But I want to say this because I believe that things like the conversation about what should we do when we worship, what should we do when we come together, we have to value one another. And I mean really value one another. We have to learn to do what it says there where the, the bits that seem weaker are recognised as being indispensable, that those that seem to lack honour, that we would truly honour more, that those who, uh, who are unpresentable. And, and you can picture what this reality looks like, what this picture of a body, you can picture what that looks like among us. You can picture the behaviours that you want to adopt in order to make someone feel valued and honoured when they seem to be less valuable or be less honoured. Where am I? As I say, the, the, we live in an upside-down kingdom, don't we? Yeah, we're not, we're not, we don't play according to this world's rules. You know, be, being a, a, a drummer, I, I love the phrase, dancing to a different beat. 
You know, you, you see those kind of those silent discos and everyone's listening to headphones, you know, and everyone's dancing together. You know, we, we, there's different music in our ears. We are dancing to a different beat. We are not to be like the world around us. Where we fit in easily, it should be a red flag. It should be a red flag when we fit in easily. Sunday, I mean, to go back to last week, this should be like, so good to be with you again. It has felt like an onslaught this week. This week it's just been relentless. Everywhere I turned, there was just unrighteousness. Everywhere I turned, there were people who were not honouring God, who were living in ways that aren't pleasing to him. And do you know what? I've been tempted. Do you know what? I just so need to come together with you all. I need to remember the grace and love of God for me. I need to be encouraged by you all. This should be like, you know, it shouldn't just be what we do on Sundays. It shouldn't just be what we do on Sundays. I told you that I'm afraid I lack a winsomeness to deliver serious messages in a way that it's like a joy to hear them. So forgive me. I don't always bring serious messages. I really do believe that that is true, that I don't always bring serious messages. But I think this is important. If we want to be a place uh, like in a Dullam's cave where the depressed, the indebted and the discouraged can come to find hope and healing, well then we need to let those who feel like they have no value, feel valued. We need to be a place where those who feel like they lack honour, or even that we perhaps feel lack honour, that's very honourable. You know, did you not see what they were doing? But we honour them, you know. They, they seem, they don't seem very bad. Man, they're indispensable. They seem weaker. They're indispensable. There's going to be such, a, so much love here that is not worldly love. Divine love, countercultural love. I, I don't want us to just be um, a subculture that is allowed to do what it wants in peace and quiet. I know we're to pray for those in authority that we might live peaceful, quiet lives. That's about the gospel being able to advance. We are countercultural, we are a countercultural people. Okay, I hope you know that. We don't just want peace and quiet. Man, we're here to tell people that God loves them and in order to enter into a relationship with them, they need to repent of their sins and accept him as their Lord and Saviour. That's what we are about. That's what we are about. There isn't any relationship with God without repentance and faith. It's, it, is, it is not true that there can be any relationship with God without repentance and faith. You can, you can sense that there is something going on. You can say, man, there's something different about these people. But you can't truly enjoy it without entering into relationship with him. And as people come to faith, with all their mess and baggage, sometimes God changes them like that. Most often it's a lifelong process, isn't it? Most often it's a lifelong process that we enter into with people. We enter into with people. Now you're a member of this body. Let me just give you some clothes here because, man, you're naked. You know, let me, let me help you with this because, you know, you're making a fool of yourself. Maybe we wouldn't say that. 
Because I don't often uh, bring serious messages like this, I, 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 I'm not going to apologise for this because I think there is a challenge in this. I, don't, I, think, I think that the church in Corinth would, would have found this challenging as well. You know, they obviously thought that they were onto something, that they were about something. And Paul says, now concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. Let me tell you about them. They thought they were something and Paul needed to come and bring some instruction to them. And so I want to just, I want to have a moment's reflection. I, I don't know if, um, I think, do you know what? Let's, let's, let's not have a song afterwards, Okay. If you're crying over your lunch today, I apologise, but this is serious stuff. I want, to, I want to ask you to take a moment. I want to ask you to seriously reflect on the two challenges that the church in Corinth faced. Do you feel inferior or do you feel superior? I want you to be honest about that. Reflect on your life. Ask God to reveal to you what is, what is your, what, what temptation you are most prone to? Thank him that you're forgiven. But ask him to speak to you. I also want to encourage you to consider who are the people among us, without looking around the room now, <laughs> who are the people among us who are weaker, but actually they're indispensable? They seem to not have value, but actually we give them greater honour. They seem unpresentable, but actually we clothe them with modesty. And I want to ask you to spend a moment reflecting on how can we do that? How can we do that? How can we uh, help those people who perhaps we might say are the least among us? How can we help them so that there be no divisions among us? so that we can navigate all of these difficult questions as we seek to grow in God and as we seek to grow as a church. Let's do that. Let's take a moment of reflection. I'm going to stop talking. I'll, I'll pray to end in, a, in maybe two minutes. Let's take two minutes.
Lord, I confess that there are times where I have lived according to the world's values and not your kingdom's values. And I thank you that I am forgiven, that there is no condemnation or shame or anything to do with having not lived by your values. And I want to ask, Holy Spirit, would you come to me now? Would you come to us all now? And would you equip us and empower us to live according to your word? To live according to the values of your kingdom? Lord, I pray that you would bring this word to mind in the situations where the rubber hits the road. Lord, I pray that for those people and situations that we have called to mind, that you would give us grace to be a body where those who seem less honourable are given a greater honour so that there be no division. So would you move among us? Lord, would you, would you make us ready for the things that you have planned for us? Lord, would you make us a community ready to welcome the depressed, the indebted and the discouraged? And Lord, would you make us a place where your power is so present and so on display that we will see lives changed? Lord, although we, although we know that often it's a slow process, Lord, we want to pray for gifts of healing. Lord, we want to pray for wisdom and for knowledge to be present here that we would be able to help one another to follow you, to make wise decisions in our lives that glorify you. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Having said, I'm not sorry that I've brought a serious message. I'm sorry that I've brought such a serious message. Good. Thanks, Margaret. God bless you. I hope I see you next week. <laughs> it's not always like this, I promise. See you soon.